Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. Lots to talk about today. I'm going to get into Odell Beckham Jr., most likely to land to the Jets. I react to that. Then Lamar Jackson still has not been signed. It doesn't look like any team has really contacted him. Uh, no progress there. Uh, what should be the best course forward moving forward for Lamar Jackson? Then there are four quarterback prospects in this year's NFL drafter. I think four really good ones. I think there would have been a fifth Hendon Hooker if he didn't get injured, but there is four. So I'm going to rank the top quarterback prospects. And I'm going to dive into the NBA. One week left for the NBA season. What's going to stay the same? What's going to change? I break down the last week, the MVP race, and March Madness coming to a close. All that. So let's get right to it, starting with OBJ. Odell Beckham Jr. is most likely to land with the Jets. It looks like he got a serious offer from the uh, Ravens, but from what has been reported, he's most likely to go to the Jets. He's kind of just waiting on the Rodgers trade to be finalized. Now, a couple of things to this. Looks like the Rodgers wish list could very much well be uh, met with Alan Lazard already there. Other names were Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis. If they do eventually come over, won't be on big break-the-bank sort of deals. And then OBJ uh, was kind of the last one. Uh, they talked about linking up. Uh, Odell has had admiration for Aaron Rodgers and vice versa, Aaron Rodgers for OBJ. So I think this is great. The fact that he really is going to go to the Jets now. Again, nothing's finalized. It's all reporting. You know, Aaron Rodgers' trade isn't finalized yet for OBJ. But so I can't look at the definitive right now. But the potential that this Jets offense has to me is really really scary. This offense can be really good. They uh, were decent to start the year off last year uh, behind Brees Hall, who was on his way to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, he got injured. He'll be back. Uh, then they have the, who was the eventual Offensive Rookie of the Year player, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver. So, again, you got three standout rookies. Two on offense, wide receiver Garrett Wilson, and running back Brees Hall. And then you got the third standout, which is Sauce Gardner on defense. So you got Aaron Rodgers coming in at quarterback. Your wide receiver group is Garrett Wilson, again, just one offensive rookie of the year. Again, he's all jersey numbers, also 17, which happened to be Devontae Adams' jersey number, so 12 to 17. Did have a connection there. Vineyard number two is OBJ. And OBJ thrived in the number two role to Cooper Cup, where OBJ wasn't getting getting double teamed. Uh, he'll find open routes. And then your third is Alan Lazard. Uh, Alan Lazard, to me, has always been uh, the number three uh, wide receiver. He's always been a good number three. Uh, this year he was thrust into the number two role uh, behind, or he was thrust into number one to start the season and then, Christian Watson emerged, and he was two. Uh, he was a two to Devontae Adams, but when Randall Cobb was in his prime, it was kind of Devontae, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard. So 
I think this is good because, again, Alan Lazard is not a true number two wide receiver. So having him at number three is great. Those three weapons there, Alan Lazard, the familiarity with Aaron Rodgers, uh, the young guy in Garrett Wilson, and then uh, just a great talent in Odell Beckham Jr. Wide receiver core is good. Your tight end, C.J. Uzama, is also a stud. And again, running back, like I mentioned, Brees Hall, and then the backup, Michael Carter, is also no slouch. This offense has the potential to be top five in the league, easily, hands down. I think it would be very disappointing if they weren't top five in the league. I think Odell makes his team very dangerous. Uh, again, since he's not going to another AFC rival like uh, the Chiefs, or the uh, Patriots or the Bills, the fact that he'll go to the Jets. Uh, Jets are looking like a very, very for real team. I'm excited for the Jets. I'm excited to watch the Jets this year. Uh, the potential offense is looking very good, looking great. Now moving on to Lamar Jackson. No teams have really reached out to Lamar Jackson. It seems like there's been a more teams kind of shoot it down, like Arthur Blank of the Falcons, kind of say, you know, we're not signing Lamar Jackson, kind of diss him as well. Uh, Lamar Jackson responds on Twitter, which I don't think is very smart of him uh, to go after NFL owners on Twitter. Uh, Jim Irsay said, you know, he'd like Lamar Jackson, but again, he doesn't want to hand out guaranteed deals, and it's the two first-round picks as well. So I think this, to me, uh, is the key for Lamar Jackson. Because let's say there's a team like the Colts who aren't in love with a quarterback in this year's draft but need a quarterback because they don't want to stink again next year. I think Lamar Jackson might be the route. And what I've listened to and what I've read and I totally agree with are teams like the Colts Waiting till the draft is over. Now, why is that smart? Because let's say you were to have the offer sheet uh, for Lamar Jackson, that'd be two first-round picks. So a team like the Colts would have to get rid of their fourth-round pick, which is a very, very high draft pick, and of course next year's first-round pick. So why would you do that right now? Give them your fourth, fourth overall pick when you could really screw the Ravens and uh, waiting uh, till the end of April, uh, beginning of May, sign him to the offer sheet. And then that really creates a sense of urgency on the Raven side. Like, do we match this or do we take these two picks now from a team like the Colts, which are, it's undetermined, but Colts with Lamar Jackson, I think would definitely give the Jags a run for their money in the division. So the potential of having a fourth round pick to, a high 20, low 20 draft pick the next few years, that changes the game a lot. So I think, you know, NFL owners are smart. Uh, and I think that's something we're definitely considering. With Lamar Jackson, it's, hey, if we do have to give up two first-round picks, I don't want to give up a fourth or a sixth or a ninth. Uh, to me, those the top nine, top ten picks can be really good players. After that, uh, maybe you'll miss on a guy and another team gets some 
if one drops. Uh, but if, again, you're not in love with this quarterback's class, I'd go after Lamar Jackson. Uh, if I'm the Falcons, again, maybe that's something I wait to after the NFL draft. But uh, I think the longer this uh, goes on, the uglier it gets for Lamar, uh, all parties involved. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look like there's any way Lamar Jackson will come back to the Ravens. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, but it is a very interesting, interesting development uh, for Lamar to really have any contact. Now, again, I don't think he's doing himself any favors with his uh, Twitter account and all the drama he's creating on there. But I hope he goes to a team uh, because, again, he's not like Cam Newton. Cam Newton saying, there ain't 32 quarterbacks better than me, and guess what? Yes, there's 32 quarterbacks better than you. That ain't the same with Lamar. Can't say 32 quarterbacks are better than Lamar. I have a tough time saying 10 quarterbacks are better than Lamar. So that's interesting. We'll see how the Lamar situation unfolds. Next up, quarterback draft prospects. Now, to me, if Hendon Hooker, again, did not get injured, he would have been one of the top quarterback uh, ones in the draft. I think his interception touchdown ratio was 29-2 to before his ACL injury. Uh, Heisman front runner playing great, and then that kind of ended it, and people have, like, wrote Hendon Hooker off, which I'm surprised. So hopefully a team like the Detroit Lions – Picks up on that and picks him up, but he's not going to be a bona fide top 10 pick. Uh, there's really four quarterback prospects everybody's mesmerized over. Uh, those are Bryce Young, uh, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson. Now, there's been a lot of oohs and ahs. There's been but Bryce Young, uh, the steady main fast. There's been C.J. Stroud, and then there's been... Uh, Will Levis, high rise, fall a bit, and then Anthony Richardson continually rising, the unicorn, the athletic freak everybody's talking about. So I watch college football. I enjoy watching college football. Now I have my grade. I'm going to rank these four quarterback draft prospects going from four to one. I'm going to start at number four, and that is Anthony Richardson. Uh I believe the phys- there's nothing wrong physically with Anthony Richardson in terms of his game. He's 6'4", he's 240 pounds, he can run a 4-4, and he's just, you know, the physical, physical talent is all there. Uh, however, uh, outside of that, I am concerned outside of the highlight reel runs and then some of the long bombs because he's got a cannon, he's got an arm, he can run. But my biggest thing is accuracy. This past year, 54% of his passes were completed. 17 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Uh, He was very streaky, very hot and cold. Uh, You know, to start the season, when they played Utah, they won 29-26. He was great. Everybody said Anthony Richardson Heisman campaign. Then the next week, he plays Will Levis. And he, his, he throws two awful interceptions and may lose the game. 
by 10. And then they went again. They barely beat USF. wasn't as clean as performance. Then they lose to Tennessee. Uh, and then Georgia started off slow, got good in the middle, and then again paled off again. Uh, and a loss to Vanderbilt in the season. And then uh, after that, Florida State. So he's streaky. The accuracy does concern me. Uh, unless he's going to take a Josh Allen type elite from college to to the NFL, uh, I don't know. I am skeptical on Anthony Richardson. Again, nothing worried about the the physical presence, his command, uh, but losing to one of your you know quarterback head to head in college at home is worrisome to me. The streakiness, all that. I think he's great. But there are some question marks, some concerns uh, from from Anthony Richardson. He calls himself Cam Jackson. Again, the blend of Cam Newton to Lamar Jackson. And not to be cruel to anyone, but look at those two guys. Cam Newton is out of the league. His style didn't last long. And look at uh, Lamar Jackson right now. Uh, very dinged up and a lot of injury, so... I'd be, I'm I'm worried about that. Number three, this might surprise some people, but C.J. Stroud. Again, C.J. Stroud, much like Anthony Richardson, uh, very good good in terms of a physical standpoint, 6'3", the weight, 214, a decent mobility, 465. But the thing I like about C.J. Stroud, it's the accuracy, the velocity, the timing, 66% 66% completion percentage, 41 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Uh, that, to me, is great. But there's a couple things uh, on C.J. Stroud. Uh, is he does not use his feet enough, I don't think. Uh, he's very one-read uh, oriented where he kind of locks eyes with his uh, – Wide, or wide receiver, and he happened to have the best wide receiver in football this past year, Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, he got bailed out, I think, a lot by him. Uh, again, is a one-rate type quarterback. Uh, is not good when the pocket breaks down. And then uh, in the, his two biggest games his past two years, it was the end of the season. One was on the road to Michigan, and then one was at home against Michigan. Those were two worst games of his career. If he wins those games, the first one may go to the Big Ten Championship game, you know, make the playoff uh, same this year. If they go to the Big Ten Championship, they probably wouldn't be the uh, four seed, be the two seed. Uh, so, again, that changes a lot. Uh, he's very good. Uh, to me, he's better than a Justin Fields is uh, in terms of his accuracy and everything. So he has the physical a standpoint, uh, he has the ability on the field, but there are just those few knots on him where I do keep him at three, even though he is really good. Uh, so there, I have that. Number two, this isn't a surprise to people, but I'm very high on Will Levis. I am. Uh, I'm sold on him. Uh, again, 6'4", 230 uh, pounds. Of around the same 40 time is uh, C.J. Stroud. Uh, very, very solid combine. Again, like all these 
uh, quarterbacks. Uh, again, the physical tool sheds are there, but McCannon of an arm, besides athleticism, uh, I think he's a bit better than Anthony Richardson in terms of he completes 65% of his passes. He had 19 touchdowns, 10 interceptions uh, last year, serious arm talent. I think the thing is, uh, the one thing about him is he holds on to the ball a bit long. Uh, reminds me of a touch like Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had a tendency to hold on to the ball a bit long, take those sacks, just get rid of a ball. Uh, again, seven of those ten interceptions were, like, deflected, tipped, dropped. So they were weird interceptions. Uh, I can't fault Will Levis uh, for all those. Again, he beat Anthony Richardson head-to-head, and he played with a much worse team. When you think of SEC football, you think of Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, you don't think of Kentucky. You think of Kentucky, sadly, as a basketball school. Uh, they don't have the offensive lines and receivers that uh, Georgia and Alabama have. So to compete with them, it's very, uh, very tough. So I thought he's a he's a good quarterback, uh, won some games again. I think in a system like even in Florida with the talent around him, the teams flopped. I think Kentucky would say about the same, but I think Florida would improve. I think Will Levis is great, and I think he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. Uh, I think teams are ripping him uh, right now for his uh, size and physique, but I think that'll help him in the long run when he takes hits, not get dinged up. And he's a kid. He's like the same age as me, 23. Number one, Bryce Young. Uh, again, does the 5'10 height concern me? A touch, I think, of Kyler Murray. But the weight, 200 is fine. The 40 time is around the same as DJ Stroud and uh, Will Levis. But uh, even though not working at the combine, he is the best quarterback in college football the past two years. He's Won a Heisman two years ago, completed 65% of his passes, uh, over 3,000 yards, 32 touchdowns, five interceptions. Uh, he's just got, to me, great pocket presence, a pocket feel. Uh, when the pocket's breaking down, unlike C.J. Stroud, where he gets sort of panicked and uh, will take a sack or throw a bad interception, uh, Bryce Young is great at being elusive. You look at the Texas game earlier this year, about to take a sack, he can make people miss. And then he's not looking to run. He's always looking to extend by throwing the football. He will run and take off. Uh, but if a man is opening those, he can hit that man. He'll shoot a shot. So I love that about uh, Bryce Young. He's the most, to me, intelligent quarterback in this draft class, the highest quarterback. IQ, the most accurate passer. Uh, can hit players on the run. Uh, can place it short, intermediate, deep. Uh, doesn't have the cannon like the Anthony Richardson or the uh, Will Levis, but he knows what he's working with. He doesn't force anything. Uh, he finds the open man, throws it to where he can, and again, I like Bryce Young. Now, if he was six one six two, there'd be no discussion about who's going number one overall, uh, which is sad. That's just the reality of the NFL, reality of football. Uh but I do think Bryce Young will be a phenomenal quarterback in the NFL. Uh, so those are my top four quarterback prospects ranked. Richardson, Stroud, Levis, 
Young, four three two one. Now moving on to the NBA. One week left for the entire NBA season. What's going to happen? What's going to shake up the rest of the way? I'm going to start with the East. That's relatively easy. I think the East really stays the same uh, and nothing changes. I can see the 1 through 10 uh, staying the exact same. Maybe the two flips Atlanta and Toronto for the play-in. Uh, 8 and 9, but that's it. I think Milwaukee, yes, Boston just beat the breaks off Milwaukee. Uh, so if they were to tie, uh, it would go to Boston. But Boston or Milwaukee would have to lose two of their next five games. Uh, I don't see that happening. Three of those games are at home. They get the 76ers at home. Bulls home, Grizzlies home, they're away as Wizards, uh, Raptors. So I don't see that happening. Uh, it's not like the Celtics have been a great model of consistency as of late. Uh, they play on a back-to-back tonight. Uh, yesterday they played the Bucks. Tonight they played the Jazz. Uh, then they still play the 76ers in uh, Philly. And then they end up with a three-game home stretch against the Raptors and Hawks. So I do think they'll stay pat. Philly, I think, stays at four. Cleveland, five. Or Cleveland four, New York five, Brooklyn six, Miami seven. I think Atlanta, Toronto could flip. I think most likely not. Atlanta will stay eight, Toronto nine, Chicago ten. So I think Eastern is set. It's done. I'll talk about more about that in just a sec. But now I want to go switch to Western because that's where the fun's at. And I will say this: it's starting to look more a little more clear up at the top. I keep my top four of a same of the Western Conference. I think. One will finish Denver, two will finish Memphis, three finish Sacramento, and I think Phoenix will finish uh, four because they're looking the healthiest right now uh, and everyone else is dealing with injuries or inconsistency issues behind them. So I think five, I think, goes to the Warriors. Uh, Warriors are one game behind the Clippers, uh, but to me they have a, a more favorable schedule. Their only real tough opponent I see on their schedule is the Nuggets. They have to play the Spurs, Thunder, Kings, and Trailblazers outside of them. And they're looking a little better as of late. While the Clippers, no Paul George for the rest of the regular season. Uh, who knows which games Kawhi will play. They play the Grizzlies tonight. That's a tough game. Then they play the Pelicans in New Orleans. Tough game. Lakers tough. Trailblazers and then finish at Phoenix. Daunting last five games. Uh, I like Golden State to pass them, the Clippers to drop a few spots. I actually think Golden State will finish five. Clippers will finish seven. So who gets the six? I'm going Lakers. Lakers have been playing really, really good basketball as of late. Uh, I like the the three of D, Low, Braun, and AD. Uh, I think they're three, three and oh, four and oh, when they all start together. Low sample size. But they play the T-Wolves tonight, which is really a playoff game, playoff seeding race. Then they play the Rockets. I'm sorry, I don't have a lot of respect for them. They're not good. Then they play the Jazz. Again, not that good. They should beat them. Then uh, two-game stretch there. Clippers, which could very much well be for that sixth seed. And then the Suns uh, will be tough. That could be our first LeBron-KD matchup. And they finish with the Jazz. Uh, and I think they lose there. 
So there's my five Warriors, six Lakers, seven Clippers. So then who gets to eight through ten? I think the Pelicans, excuse me, I think the Pelicans uh, get the uh, eight, just a very strong showing against the Nuggets uh, last night. I know no Jokic, but still very good. Uh, decent schedule to finish off with Clippers, Kings, Grizzlies, Knicks, and then the Timberwolves. That last game, I think, will be for that play-in spot. And then Timberwolves, similar, we play the Lakers tonight. Again, I think they'll lose. Uh, they got the Trailblazers, Nets, Spurs, and then the Pelicans there at the end. So I think eight Pelicans, nine Timberwolves, and then ten. Is, is it going to be OKC or is it going to be Dallas? Uh, don't think it's going to be OKC. I can't ride with them considering uh, I think they're going to lose three of their next uh, four games. Uh, and I think uh, Dallas has a much more winnable slate to close out the year. So I got Dallas uh, finishing 4-1. and one. Making it is the 10th spot in the play-in. But you have the play-in game, so again, start with the West. Uh, with my scenario, you have the Clippers-Pelicans, 7-8. and eight. I think the Clippers would win. They'd eventually go on and play the Grizzlies. And then uh, the Mavs would play the T-Wolves. I think the Mavs would win that game. Uh, they, they would play the Pelicans, but I do think the Pelicans would actually beat the Mavericks in that game. I don't think the Mavericks make the playoffs. I don't think they're that good of a team. No defense. So that's how I think that shakes out in the West. In the East play-in, uh, Miami would play Atlanta. I really do think Miami would win. Uh, so then they would play Boston. Uh, Toronto, Chicago. I think Chicago would win. They're streaky. They're playing better. Uh, Chicago, Atlanta. They would then play with Toronto being eliminated. And that, to me, is a true coin flip. I probably would go with Atlanta, uh, but it would not shock me if Chicago won. So, again, exciting finish to the NBA season. Around five games left for every team. And there's a lot that can happen. Again, four or five games for each team. Uh, it's going to be an exciting race to the finish. Now I want to talk about the MVP race. It's looking like a three-man race between Jokic, Embiid, and Ante Tacumpo. So I'm just going to rank my three for you right now. My three is Giannis at three, Jokic at two, and Joel at one. And it's really, again, it is really close. Uh, these are just the stats for each of those players. Uh, Giannis, 31 points a game, 12 rebounds, 6 assists. Again, video game numbers, uh, shooting 55% from the field. Joel Embiid, 33 points per game, leading the league in scoring, 10 rebounds per game, 4 assists. And he is pretty good defensively uh, as well this year. I stepped up on that. And then Jokic, 25 a game, 12 rebounds, and 10 assists, basically averaging a triple-double. It's brilliant. Shooting uh, 63% from the field. Uh, leads the league in every advanced metric. Uh, nuggets are 25 points per 100 possessions better with him on the floor. So, again, he is uh, fantastic uh, out of the three. 
he's played the most games. Uh, Jokic has Embiid has missed a few. Uh, Giannis has missed around 15 as well. However, Giannis has the highest win percentage rate when he plays. Uh, I think that's something to be said as well. Uh, Joel Embiid gets to the line the most. He gets fouled the most. He attacks the rim. Uh, I think as well as Giannis, he is a very, very dominant player. So he's great. Um, so, yes, again, similar stats. Uh, advanced metrics point to Jokic. Uh, but I think just on the court this year, I'd have to go with uh, Joel Embiid. Now, it it's a tough, tough race. Uh, but, you know, with Philly being just one game worse than uh, Denver and the, you know, overall standings. But I think really uh, Philly has turned it on the past uh, two, two months. Joel Embiid has been phenomenal in that stretch. He's been phenomenal all season, but especially in that stretch, he's kind of held that uh, scoring title for the majority of the season. Uh, center to do that, again, is incredible. Uh, Jokic, again, averaging a triple-double, playing great. I think it could come down to if Joel Embiid misses a few more games, then it's like, how can we give the MVP to a guy where, you know, he missed 10 more games than Jokic and so did Giannis. That's all we kind of have to give it to uh, Jokic now instead of Embiid. I think it's a close race. Uh and there's more than just, you know, back-to-back MVPs. But to me, there's also a story line to it for an MVP. Uh, for example, if Jokic were to win, what would the story be? He'd be uh, since his furthest advance of the playoffs uh, three years ago, uh, Western Conference Finals. Since then, he's been bounced out of the second, first round, and each of those years, he won the MVP. He doesn't raise his numbers in the postseason. Again, this is a regular season award. But, you know, he'd be the first three-peat MVP winner since uh, Larry Bird. And we got to ask, does he deserve to be in the same company as Larry Bird? Do we want to mention Larry Bird and... Jokic in the same sentence, because to me, they don't belong in the same sentence. Uh, They don't. So there is a narrative to it, uh, not, you know, false media, fake propaganda, but a true, you know, story is him and Larry Bird on the same level in their respective years of their careers. It's, I don't believe so, whereas Joel Embiid, uh, has come up short in MVP races. He's played good, but, you know, is this a year he's the most deserving to win the MVP? I think so. It was close last year. They gave it to Jokic. Uh, I think if it's close this year, you give it to Embiid. Maybe that fuels one more of a playoff. Uh, But, again, it'll be interesting to see who wins it. 
Again, I got Giannis 3, Jokic 2, Joel 1. Now finishing up with March Madness. Now, to me, this is very, very uh, interesting because the final four teams, if you are unaware, it's the FAU Florida Atlantic Owls, the San Diego State Aztecs playing one another, and the other matchup is the Miami uh, Canes, Hurricanes versus Yukon Huskies. Now, it's, to me, this is very interesting uh, because Cinderella runs, if they had somehow advance to the Final Four, usually don't end well for them in the Final Four. So FAU San Diego State, I'm rolling with San Diego State to win big. I'm picking them to win. And then Miami, UConn. UConn's the only one with, like, Final Four experience from these four. Uh, they've been here multiple times the past 25 years. So I'm definitely rolling with UConn, uh, you know, to win handily as well. And for it to be a San Diego State-UConn matchup. Uh, but there was one thing I read today where the rating has dipped, I think, 6 to 9%, somewhere in there. Uh, the viewing, uh, as we go later on in the tournament, it makes sense. You look at last year, you looked at, you know, Coach K and Kansas and Duke and North Carolina, Blue Bloods, big teams, Arizona going uh, to the Sweet 16. Uh, UCLA advanced to like the uh, Sweet 16, Elite Eight. Same with Gonzaga. I mean, uh, teams that everybody wanted to watch were in there of a big, big school names, whereas this year we get FAU, San Diego State, Miami, UConn. Uh, I do think this is going to, this tournament, considering how important ratings and viewership and watching it is, I do think bracketology is going to be very different next year, and we're definitely going to uh, determine the seeding a little differently. Because uh, to me, there's no way an FAU team who's 35-3 and three should be a 9 seed, whereas somebody like a Michigan State had 12 losses and they were a 7 seed. So I think it should be changed again, FAU 35-3, and three, Miami 29-7. and seven. Uh, So to me, there there should be some slight changes in the bracketology considering the transfers that happen now through the transfer portal of the NIL. Uh, there's more parity amongst the players going to different schools. So we need to take that into effect when we do bracketology and not like, well, there's no way a, a FDU can upset Purdue or a Princeton can upset U of A. It's, it's not how it works. The game's, again, built on upsets. There will always be upsets. But I do think they have to seed it a little better to avoid uh, some of these matchups uh, moving forward. So, again, the Final Four is not FAU, San Diego State, Miami, UConn. Now, I did have UConn to win in a couple of my brackets. I thought they started off the year really good, very good tournament team. So I'll roll with UConn, and now it's theirs to lose. I think UConn could play in a group stage with these guys, you know, these four teams. UConn would beat all three teams. Really do. It's... UConn's to lose. I think the Huskies are in a win. Uh, congratulations on them having one of the best college basketball pro- programs, men and women's combined right there. They just every decade seem to win it. Congratulations, UConn. Prove me wrong. This has been Unbothered. Hope you all have a great weekend. I'll talk to you all next week. Bye, everybody.